seated. We're glad you're here this morning. If it's your first time here, we're happy that you're here um, and believe that God has not brought you here on accident, but he has a word uh, for you this morning. It's Palm Sunday, and we are on week three in our series, The Path to Holiness. And this morning, I'm excited to dive in. I want to talk about causes of spiritual uh, blindness. Before we jump into the message, just uh, want to update everyone on some awesome things that are happening. This is a great season in our church and in our school. Uh, Sean, if you put a picture up behind, we uh, were going to work uh, up at our youth center, the powerhouse, uh, getting everything ready for uh, ZCA, 7th and 8th grade. 6th, 7th, and 8th grade is going to be taken home up there, and our powerhouse youth are going to be moving here on Wednesdays uh, night. So carpet's being ripped up. You can see a little bit of our stage shiplap. Now, we put that up about four years ago. This is when Fixer Upper was in its inception. So we knew shiplap was cool before Chip and Joe did. All right, so let it be known. Um, but some great things are happening. It's going to be a, a state-of-the-art uh, area, three classrooms, computer labs, all the uh, bells and whistles. But we'll keep you posted uh, with everything uh, that's happening there. And uh, our youth, man, we're excited. Uh, alongside of, of Jenny, uh, we're putting a great team together. We're going to have worship, and our youth are going to have a great experience here uh, at GPC on Wednesday night. So we'll keep you posted uh, with everything uh, with that. We also want to welcome uh, Jacqueline. She's our new uh, second grade teacher. If you just wave at us, we're happy you're here. She uh, just jumped on board. Her beautiful family is here with us this morning. Um, also, if it's your first time here, um, we would love for you to join us right after church. We're having uh, lasagna and salad and just a time to connect with us uh, as a lead team and as pastors, ask questions. Uh, if you've been here the past few weeks, you should know. So we got a seat reserved for you and uh, that'll be right after church. If you got kids, no problem. We have some of the best childcare in the world and your kids will be taken care of with the best snappy tomato pizza while you're chowing on lasagna. So it all is good. But this morning, I'm excited to talk to you about the causes of spiritual blindness. You know, whenever we go into different seasons of our life, wherever you find yourself, the enemy would love nothing more than to blind you of the purpose of the season that you're in. Anybody been there before? A show of hands. You've experienced this blindness in your life. Well, we've been in the path to holiness, and the thing that I've found, I know you'll find as you're journeying to toward holiness, is we read a commentary last week that when we sign up, for Christianity, we uh, enlist in a struggle toward holiness. Holiness just doesn't happen. But man, it's a struggle against the flesh. It's a struggle against emotions that want to rise up. But when uh, we allow the Spirit of God, the, the reckless love of God, to light up the shadowed areas of our life, we can begin to walk in holiness and become all that God has called us to be. Because you're going to be a church, we are going to be a church collectively that is going to walk in the fullness of the faith and the fullness of of the Holy Spirit. So Peter, if you read first and second Peter, it gives a call toward holiness. And I thought this was fitting and it's found in second Peter 1, 12 through 15, but this is Peter's encouragement to the church that they're being persecuted, but to continue to remain holy and continue to press in to what God has. Look what it says. It says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth, you have been taught and it is only right that I should keep on reminding you. There it is again. So Peter's saying, hey, I'm going to keep reminding you as much as you think you know, this is going to be on the forefront. 
And this is toward the end of Peter's life, as you see. So he's saying, I'm gonna, I want you to take this message when I'm gone, that this is what you remember, to walk in holiness. And then I'm going to keep reminding you in and of that. There's a quote by John Bevere in his book, Good or God. You can read it on the screen behind me, but I love it because it says it so perfectly of the purpose of holiness and sanctification, of being set apart. It says, entire sanctification is not only essential as the condition to enter heaven. So it's saying being holy just isn't good fire insurance, but it's saying, but it is also necessary for the highest result of Christian life on earth. We want to have the highest result of Christian life here on earth. And it's putting on these garments of holiness that motivates us, that where we get to see the secrets of God deposited into our life, that we're to walk set apart. We're to walk, as Peter started off, 1 Peter, as foreigners, as aliens in the world, that we're to be in the world but not of the world. I think that's one of the toughest statements that we have to wrestle with as Christians, of how are we to be in this world but not of this world? It's like, Jesus, what are you talking about, man? You got to show us how to do this. So holiness is the way to be in the world, but not of the world. A church father in the third century said this by the name of St. Gregory of Nyssa. He says, we regard falling from God's friendship as the only thing dreadful, and we consider becoming God's friend the only thing worthy of honor and desire. We're all here because we desire to grow deeper in God. We're all here because we want friendship with God, friendship with the Holy Spirit. You know, when it comes to worship, we don't worship God the way that we think he wants to be worshiped. We worship God the way we see laid out in his word. We worship God the way that he teaches us to worship. And so we see some scriptures in in Ephesians that I wanna read to you that address of how our thoughts, our actions, and our words begin to fall in line when we begin to throw off the spirit of the world and we begin to put on the spirit of God. Ephesians 5, 6 through 7 says this. It says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for God's anger will fall on those who disobey him. Don't participate in these things that that these people do. Skip over to 10 through 12. It says, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. You know, that says it all in a nutshell that God is not this angry God. You see where it says his anger. It's not saying that he's gonna zap you down as Zeus in heaven waiting for you to mess up. But we don't wanna displease the heart of God. So that's why it says carefully determine what pleases the Lord. It's just like if I wanna uh, set up a date night for my wife, I'm not gonna take her and get some hot shot McDonald's off the dollars menu. I'm gonna carefully determine what pleases her. She's like, we've been there before, we have. But I'm going to try to carefully determine what, what is going to please you, what is going to make you happy, what is going to, uh, when we get home at the end of the night, you're going to say, babe, I just love you. So we want to carefully determine what pleases God. And it says in verse 12, it, it's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. The rest of verse 11, it says, don't walk in the deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. So don't just turn a blind eye. Shed truth on it. 15 says, so be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. It says, if you don't be careful how you live, you're gonna live like fools, but like those who are wise. So we wanna live like those who are wise. We don't want to live like a fool. You know, when you begin to read God's word and you see commands where it says these sins of drunkenness or you see sins of um, idolatry or immorality, the things that of the old nature and of the old flesh, 
These aren't a list that we have to keep in order to be saved. That's just a shallow interpretation of when God in the epistles in the New Testament lists the, lists the do's and don'ts. But more, it's a lifestyle, and this is what we desire here in this church, is that it's a lifestyle attributed to those who will live in the manifest presence of God. When we push off the spirit of the world, when we push off sins that can so easily ensnare us, we do it not just to say, look at me, I'm walking in holiness. We do it because we want the presence of God in our lives. As we said last week, following Jesus, salvation is free, but following Jesus costs us something. There's a, when we experience the grace of God, we just don't stay there, but we begin to see it, how it empowers us to get out of sin, that I never want to short sell you the grace of God, and we don't want to short sell each other the grace of God. The grace of God just doesn't cover. It gets us up and out of things. It sets us free, and so we know that God loves us so deeply and so dearly. That's why he gives us these commandments. That's why he gives us these instructions. So when it comes to causes of spiritual blindness, there's, in the church calendar, this scripture would, uh, this passage would be read next week as we go into Holy Week. But it's the gospel story. It's one of the gospels, longest gospel stories you'll see in the New Testament. But it comes from John chapter 9, and it's about the man born blind that was healed. It's a, it's a phenomenal story because you see a lot of the other Miracles that Jesus would did, it usually resulted in maybe a sin attached to it, but this one was something completely different where the purpose of this man's blindness so was that the glory of God could be displayed. Sean, if you put up John chapter 9, I want to read a little bit of this story to you uh, this morning. It says, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. It must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. So it's saying, you know, the law says you can't heal on the Sabbath. It says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Aren't you thankful Jesus can light up things in our life? So He's setting the scene. When he had said these things, he spat, it's an awesome miracle. He spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. He said to him, go wash in the pool. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So we see this powerful, powerful miracle of a man who was set aside for the purposes of God. And you, know, you have to think, if you're a spectator, this man did not have eyeballs, so it just blank sockets. And so when Jesus spat on the dirt and anointed it and put it in his eyes, imagine just seeing eyeballs begin to form in this man's eye sockets, a powerful miracle. Now, for lack of time, you can go and you can begin to read, but word begins to spread that this man was healed. And the people in the town and the people in the village, they knew that this man was born blind from birth. So word's gonna get, word is going to get out pretty quick if a miracle like this happened. And so, of course, the Pharisees catch wind of what happened. Now, anytime you see an account of the religious, the Pharisees, the religious spirit begins to raise up its head, and they didn't know how to take it. They didn't know how to understand it. You see, when the Pharisees, you can read the account, when the Pharisees finally met this man, the first thing they asked, how did it happen? You know, they weren't excited. They didn't worship God. You go and you read the account of when the man was healed. 
he fell prostrate before God and he just began to worship him. He had never seen him, obviously, but something in his heart powerfully had been done. And so we see a, a man born blind physically comes alive. The eyes of his heart were even opened. But then we see the Pharisees, those that obeyed the law, crossed all their T's, dotted their I's, did everything right. There was something dead that was on the inside of them. They were spiritually blind. They could not see Jesus. They could not accept that this miracle had happened to a sinner. They even said Jesus was full of sin, that this, this just can't happen. And so there was a blindness in the Pharisees. But what I want you to see out of the story is that we be like the man where the miracle was done to his eyes and that we would see his response, that something would stay alive in us through every season, that we would never be like the Pharisees where we're blind to a miracle that's right in front of us. God is always moving. He's always working. His spirit is always drawing us in. But we're the ones that can sometimes get the heart of a Pharisee and stay blind to what God is doing. A commentary said that a major definition of spiritual blindness is usually ignorance. Pharisees were, were ignorant to what was happening. You and I, we can't afford to be ignorant. We have to put the time into study to seek God's word, to get to know the heart of Jesus. Also is a hardened heart. You know, people, I can remember in times of, of mentors out in Bible school, and I would talk to older leaders who have led churches for 30 years and done amazing things. And the biggest thing they always said is, don't let your heart get hardened. Keep the life, keep the zeal within you. And that's just a principle of life. As you go through life, it's easy just to allow your heart to get hardened. Maybe you expected God to do something, or maybe you thought you'd be at a different place in your life. It's easy when you see your, your life not go where you thought it would, you begin to get a hard heart toward God. You begin just to say, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I thought. But I'm telling you, don't allow spiritual blindness to creep in. We see in Proverbs 14, 12, it says this, and this is knowledge of, of that we need to take in this morning. It says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but in the end leads to death. There's a path that we can think is so right or we're following the will of God, but if it's not done in holiness, if it's not done through sanctification, in the end, it could lead to death. We never wanna end up or come to the end of a season and saying, oh my gosh, I thought I was following God, but in the end, I was just following what felt good, maybe the desires of my flesh. So it's saying you have to beware, you have to have discernment. If you read writings of early church fathers, the greatest virtue they will say that you can acquire in your life is the gift of discernment. Discernment is being able to determine between what is good and what is evil. In the world we live in today, the greatest thing that we need operating in our lives is dis discernment. It's a powerful gift where you can see what is good and what is God because it also says in Proverbs that there's a good that appears to be godly. And that's what we see here. And we don't want to fall prey to that. We want to have discernment. And just allowing discernment to operate in your life is what can break spiritual blindness. First point, and, and what we see through these Pharisees, is that people are blind to their own spiritual condition. Put yourself in front of a mirror. You might see yourself someone completely different than what other people see you or what those around you say that, hey, this is what you're going through. This is what we see. But it's easy 
to allow pride or it's easy to allow fiction to begin to creep into our life because reality and fiction are very close. We want to live in reality. We don't want to walk in fiction. And so when we begin to get into the word of God and we begin to pray dangerous prayers like, Father, open up my eyes. Open the eyes of my heart. I don't want to walk in blindness. God's word becomes a mirror and you begin to see what your reality is. You begin to see sins that, hey, God wants out of your life. You begin to see the little foxes, as it talks about, that can come up and nibble on the vine. You might not see it. It might not, you know, do immediate damage, but it's nibbling and tearing you down and tearing you apart. So the first thing we have to realize is we cannot be blind to what our true spiritual condition is. Now, here's what a fictitious idea of where we think we're spiritual. Well, pastor, I go to church every week. I pray. I read my word. I do all of these things. But at the heart of it, are you being transformed? Are you choosing to walk in holiness? Is, is blindness leaving and you're beginning to see yourself become like Jesus? You can do all the right things but never change. Isn't that crazy? You can do all the right things but never change. And the Pharisees were blind to what their condition was. They were missing the very thing prophesied for thousands of years. We see another Pharisee attitude. Luke 7, 39 says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman he is touching. She is a sinner. This is the story of the woman who uh, burst into a, a big dinner with Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus was invited and she throws herself at his feet, begins to cry and, and wipe wipes his feet with her hair because of what Jesus had done in her life. But you see, the Pharisees couldn't see the miracle. What did they see? Oh my gosh, Jesus is touching a sinner. Well, next week, we're really gonna unpack this at our Easter service and see how Jesus is a friend of sinner and how he sees the messes, he sees the brokenness, the wounds in our life. And man, it's like a magnet. He is attracted to it because he wants to heal it and he wants to remove the blindness because sin is a wound, when we sin, we wound ourselves, and Jesus knows that. And that's why he's saying, allow me to illuminate your life. Allow the light of the world to come and light up your life so that you don't have to continue to be wounded. You know, another thing you see, and another principle of spiritual blindness is that spiritual blindness comes from comparing ourselves to others. Anybody ever compared yourself to somebody else? It's easy to fall into this trap. It's easy to walk into church or walk into a, a family setting or walk into work. And man, you think you're good. And basically, you turn your x-ray vision on and you're just seeing all the little things in everybody else's life, but never seeing what's going on in you. Come on, Christians can wear some pretty good x-ray vision sometimes. And that's what the Pharisees were, man. They were quick to point out what was wrong in everyone else, but never look at themselves. Matthew 7, 3 says this. It says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? So it's saying, stop comparing, stop looking, stop worrying about everyone else. If you focus on yourself, if you do what's right, a spirit of holiness can come upon you and begin to, to lead you and you can begin to be changed and transformed. You know, when we compare ourselves, what feelings and broken emotions begin to rise up is a sense of low self-esteem and it's a sense of pride. 
Low self-esteem says, you know, I want what they want. They have something I don't. And then we begin to covet what that person has. And we begin to fall and even into this place of pride where I don't want to deal with what's in me. I'm just going to keep trying to claw and get and more instead of allowing our pride to be crushed. Because here's the principle of going after the will of God. You have to allow your will to be crushed in order to pick up his will. Jesus, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying and sweating blood, he was struggling with his will of what his purpose was. But he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. And so to keep spiritual blindness out of our life, we have to continually be praying, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. Maybe you've been in a place where uh, something just gets by you. If you're a parent, you've experienced this. If you're over managing anyone, you've experienced this. Some, something gets by you or something someone was doing and then you just... You're like, oh my gosh, how did that get, how was that going on and I never knew? It's happened to me and sometimes I get offended at myself that how did I not pick up on this that this was happening? And instead of getting prideful and then going and bringing down the hammer, you say, okay, how was I blind to this? What was I not seeing here? You know, we don't, the thing is too, thou shalt not kill, big commandment, right? Right? You see all these things that are happening in our world today and all these solutions trying to come forth to fix what's happening. These things just don't happen overnight. It's not that the day before a person decided to walk into a school and kill a bunch of kids. It was a process of little decision. It was a process of so many things happening in this person's life to get them to where they ex um, experience such evil and do such evil things. And this leads us into our next point, is that spiritual blindness comes from a daily denial of God and his truth. When there's just this daily denial that I'm not going to do what's right, I don't care what anybody says, when there's this daily denial of God and his truth, we become spiritually blind. I know there's this powerful story in the Old Testament where you know the story of, of Rachel and Leah and how Jacob was head over heels for Rachel but got tricked and ended up on his wedding day after he had worked for Rachel for seven years. Man, this guy was putting in work. He was doing everything that her father said he should do. And when he went into the honeymoon suite to consummate his marriage, Jake, or Leah's and Rachel's dad had tricked Jacob and put Leah into this tent. And he consummated his marriage with not Rachel, but Leah. So we see Jacob's furious. He was blinded. He didn't even know it was Leah, which I don't know how that happens. But we see something crazy happen. We see that Jacob was willing, after he was tricked, after he was done wrong, he was willing to work another seven years to get Rachel back. And so the story is in Genesis when... Um, Jacob finally gets Rachel back. He worked 14 years to finally be with her. And their family is on the run. They're having to relo relocate. And Rachel, that's something that she was attached to. It says that she uh, went and, and stole family idols from her father. And Jacob had no idea. Now, if we know who Jacob is, he, he was, um, his father was Isaac, whose father was Abraham. So he had a powerful spiritual heritage in his life. And God would do amazing things through Jacob. He had the vision. He saw the ladder that went to heaven. He wrestled with God. 
And so a man like this and a man with purpose on our lives, which we all have a powerful purpose on our life, had no place to have idols in his camp or idols in his life. So it's, the story shows that Rachel stole family idols and hid them as they were on the run. Jacob begins to see things happen and begins wondering what's happening. He gets accused by Rachel's father for stealing idols, but he had no idea that Rachel, his wife, had stole these idols. And so what I want you to see out of this is Jacob was a person who loved and had to have Rachel so much that it opened up a door, something he loved, something he desired, that that was the very avenue that idols came into his life. And that was the avenue that blinded him. Hear this, there's things in our life that we can want so much, we don't want to lay down, we feel it's our purpose, it's our calling, but if it's not submitted to the will of God, it could be the door and the avenue that sin and idols and delusion and corruption and all evil things can come pouring into your life. You have to think of it this way. Satan was so cunning and deceiving that he could convince Eve that something was better than where she was at. That if she ate of the fruit, she would have more knowledge and more power than what she had now. She became spiritually blind in that moment. So it happens from the daily denial of God and his truth. 1 Corinthians 7:19 says this. It says, but what matters is keeping the commandments of God. You see in Deuteronomy and in the Old Testament that they would keep the commandments of God on their walls, on their doorposts. They would tie it to their feet. It's amazing how they kept the commandments of God in front of them. And so we see, and Sean, if you put up, going back to our gospel story in John chapter 9, verse 38 and 39, you see the response of Jesus of what he was sent into the world to do. And I believe this is what he was sent this morning to do in our life. If you have it, Sean, right here, it says, and Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world. And again, it's not, I'm gonna rain fire from heaven. It's, I'm bringing judgment so that you can begin to discern, so you can judge your life what's evil and what's, what's uh, good. It says that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. So it's saying that, okay, there's those that are going to see, and there's those like the Pharisees that can be made blind. So Jesus is saying, allow my word to judge your life so that you can see and you don't be like a Pharisee who can be right in the middle of a miracle but completely miss it. We can be right in the middle of a church service but completely miss it. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16 says this, and it addresses man walking in wisdom and how to apply it in our lives. It says, yet when I was among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to the world or to the rulers of the world. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. There is a plan of God on your life that is a mystery, and you're gonna see that there is God-deep secrets that he has for us to pursue and go after. We want to be able to to walk in the fullness of his plan. It just doesn't happen by bebopping around, by just floating around. It takes intentionality of passionately. One of our core values here at our church is a passionate pursuit of God. And man, when you do, you begin to know the mysteries of heaven for your life. It says, but the rulers of the world 
they, they can't understand it. Because if they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God had prepared for those who love him. God loves you so much and he's put a plan for your life and he's put purpose in your life. But don't be spiritually blind in what season you find yourself in this morning. It says in 10, but it was God that revealed these things by his spirit. And see this, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. When you allow the word of God to judge you, when you don't bring your fictitious life, but you bring your reality and you say, Holy Spirit, here it is, judge my life. Uh, allow the spirit of God to bring out things in my life, search my heart, search my intentions. Guess what? That's ingredients to begin to see the deep things of God revealed in your life. Amen, Pastor Garrett. That's great preaching. <laughs> Y'all are getting quiet on me. I'm freaking out. We good? Everybody good? Good. All right. But it goes on to say, it says this. But who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? It says, but we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. God wants to put his mind in you. He wants you to think as he thinks and walks as he walks. Lastly, our last point is that God reveals the deep things of his heart when you're connected to him. Here in a second, we're going to bring back an oldie but a goodie. And we're going to make a confession that we want the eyes of our heart to be open. You know, discernment is made perfect through the fear of God, through the holy, reverent respect of God. When the fear of God says that he is supreme ruler of my life, and when we have a fear of God, we begin to walk in discernment. You know, qualities of the fear of the Lord is this, is we obey him instantly. We obey him even if it doesn't make sense. We obey him even if it hurts, and we obey him when we don't see the benefit. And lastly, we obey him to completion. In your season, and when you walk in the fear of God, those are qualities that you should begin to see that begin to remove blindness out of your life. You know, this is what's scary, because we live in a time that's full of deception by the spirit of the age. In 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 14, it says this. It says, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. That's why you have to have discernment because Satan himself, it says, will transform himself into an angel of light. He'll make everything on the path that he wants you to look good, to feel right. But if you don't have that discernment, you're not going to be able to see that that's the very thing that can lead to death. So be able to discern. And by doing it, we have to bring our will into the house of God and say, Holy Spirit, I lay my will down at the altar and I pick up the will of God. We have to be willing to completely let go. Ephesians 1.18 says, And the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. He wants your eyes to be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints? 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, this is why we pursue holiness, so we don't get deceived. It says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Distraction is a huge God of this age. 
the amount of usage we're on our phones, the amount of, of time that we spent distracted away from God, it can blind us from the hope of his calling that he has for your life. It says, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. When you allow God's word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it illuminates everything in your life and you begin to see, oh my gosh, I'm discerning wrong. I'm spiritually blind. And then if you go and repent and say, Holy Spirit, change my mind so that I can thank your thoughts, so that I can know what is the hope of your calling, that's where things begin to change. If you stand with me this morning, I want us to pray. And I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to open the eyes of your heart. Ask the Holy Spirit, show me the path to holiness. Show me what this journey looks like to be sanctified, to throw off the spirit of the world and pick up the Holy Spirit in my life. Father, with eyes closed and heads bowed, we ask you right now, we humble ourselves, we lay low, we worship you as the man whose eyes was made new. God, that he didn't have to see you. You did work on his heart and that he experienced a miracle. In the same breath, the Pharisees were spiritually blind. They saw it and they still missed it. God, don't allow us to miss what you're doing. Right now, we come up against spiritual blindness in our life, whether it be through denying your truth because of low self-esteem or because of pride. Maybe it's a place of brokenness or we've been told um, lies in our life. We rebuke any lie that's been spoken to us. We rebuke the devil and his uh, ways of transforming himself into an angel of light. I pray this church have such strong discernment that we can see what the spirit of the age is and we can discern properly that we not go down the good path, but we go down the God path in the name of Jesus. God, I pray this morning as we pray this Holy Spirit, that the hope of the calling that we had in you would begin to burn. God, that as we sing this morning, God, that the coals of our heart would begin to burn again. Let us not miss what you're wanting to do. You're a loving father. You care and love us so deeply and you give us holiness so that we don't have to be wounded by the things of the world, but it's an armor that protects us as we go and as we journey through life. So right now, Holy Spirit, as we pray this, speak to us. Open the eyes of our heart. Let us see in the middle of our mess, there's miracles that you're wanting to do. We decree and we declare this. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. We want to see you high and lifted up in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.